Hello, awesome people. Welcome to Embrace the Pivot. I'm Dr. C. Robinson, your host for the show. Join me as we discover what pivoting actually means and how you can embrace your pivot during life's transition. Welcome back to Embrace the Pivot. This is episode 14. Next week is going to be episode 15, which is crazy because when I first started doing podcasts, I was just like, I'm just going to do it. I don't know how many episodes there are going to be, but I am rocking and rolling and I already have the remainder of the fall lineup. So I am so excited but how's everyone doing today? Are you still feeling the stress and the com- complexities of COVID-19? I know I am. Not being able to socialize with people has really been taking a toll on me because I'm very much a social butterfly. I love hanging out, love going to events, and not being able to do so started to mess with my psyche a little bit. So thank you for being with me because this podcast really helps me stay focused. Yesterday, I hosted a webinar called Embrace the Pivot Formula. And yesterday's webinar focused on three elements of the formula, which is recognize, control, and execution. In November, I'm going to be hosting a more in-depth formula, which actually has five main steps to making your pivot successful. I hope you could join me in November. Of course, I'm gonna be advertising it. Uh, My next actual workshop is going to be September 23rd, and I'm happy because I get to host the workshop with my mom. She's a master of neuro-linguistic programming, which is all about the brain and how you can fine-tune what you say, what you do, all through language, and habits. So we're going to be combining that with networking. You can find more information on my website at embracethepivot.org slash events. Again, it's networking with neuro-linguistic programming techniques, and that's on September 23rd. So please join me. This workshop is free, so everyone should be there. No excuses. Today's guest I have known him my entire life. He is my cousin, Bobby Valla, and he is the founder of Vallaverse. He has done comics, he's designed toys for his entire career. He has such a cool story and journey because initially he never thought he was gonna get into toy design. He always just wanted to develop comic books but now he is at the forefront of reviving one of the toy industry's most popular toy lines. So everyone, please welcome Bobby Valla. You've always wanted, well, you were always talented in drawing. You wanted to do comic books. You wind up designing toys, winning awards. Your toys are turned into film, right? Like I got lost along the way. Um, And then, You now have a license for Action Force, which is G.I. Joe. You're building that out. So I would love for you to share with my listeners your story about how you started in toys and now you're an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. It's kind of interesting when you call it like an an entrepreneur. I never really like thought of it like that. I just thought like, oh, (laughs) it's making cool toys. Uh, (laughs) It's, um, 
it's been quite a quite a journey you know when i kind of stop and like like think back on it you know every now and then like people ask me like oh tell me about like your whole journey like how you got here and it's like when i tell it like when i when i give the whole story i'm like wow that's quite an interesting journey so you know some crazy things have happened so it's it'll be interesting to tell it again because i i always enjoy telling it because it was so fun to be along for the ride that, that you know that is my journey in a way so i just felt like i was just kind of like a passenger on a roller coaster like hey take me where we're going yeah <laughs> well i am glad that you enjoyed your journey right because you had to be on it right <laughs> so, yeah well take yeah. it off this roller coaster <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so why don't you share like how did you start drawing how did you get into the toy industry well, I started drawing, I think, because of my dad. Uh, the The earliest thing I can ever remember drawing was uh, in 1989. Uh, my dad took me, my brothers, my stepmom, took us to go see Batman with Michael Keaton that came out in 1989. And I remember after the movie, we went to a restaurant. And on the placemat, like they give the kids crayons, I drew Batman and the Joker and I wish I still had that placement. Maybe my dad has it somewhere, but I remember like vividly what it looked like. And I was only, you know, six years old at the time. And that was like the first thing I can ever remember, like really drawing. And that looked like spawned like me drawing, like all the time as a kid. And yeah. then my dad got me into comic books. You know, I always, you know, play with a lot of toys and, and things like that. I had superheroes and GI Joes, but my dad like got me like my first comic book and he would always get me comic books every week. And he helped me kind of, you know, get this whole large comic book collection. I was so into comics. And then the more I was into comics, the more I would draw. And at that point, like I thought, Hey, you know, as, as a kid, the only thing I want to do, I want to draw comic books one day. So, you know, being in high school, it's like, I focused a lot on my art, even though, you know, I wanted to play hockey and my dad was like, no, you should, you should draw you know, focus on your, on your art. So after high school, I ended up going to an illustration school. It was a specific school that focused on the comic book business. So all of like the business of comics, drawing, uh, that sort of thing. So it was cool to go there because it was like this, this coveted comic book school. And I thought, oh, this is so great. I can go there and I can draw comic books. That's what I want to do. And I think when I went there, I was, I was the youngest uh, kid going there. Like me and one other student were straight out of high school. Everyone else was kind of in their late twenties, early thirties, and, and older because they thought like, "Oh, well, I'd kind of done what I wanted to do. Let, let me try my hand at comics." Whereas I was like, "I just want to draw comics." So <laughs> I was, yep. yeah, I was young and, and immature, and I, I, when I look back on it now, I kind of wish I had gone there later in life because I think I would have appreciated it more. Whereas I went there and I just thought it was just a fun time. You know, I spent three years just, you know, shooting the breeze, talking toys and comics and movies all the time and, you know, occasionally drawing. And because I was young, I was going out with my friends and kind of partying all the time. So I really didn't put like as much effort as I wish I did into it. I kind of like took it a little bit for granted. But after I got out, I like sort of like soaked up all the knowledge while I was there, just didn't do anything with it. And then once I got out, I did something with it. And I started like making myself better. And I started drawing a lot. And that's when I was going to conventions and, you know, 
showing my portfolio to editors and artists and writers and really like doing the grind, the comic book grind, going to the shows and trying to get work. And, and I, was it, wasn't it at like one of your very first comic book shows where you're showing your artwork, but wasn't there a famous person in that world who like had one of your drawings or something? Like what was that? Wasn't there a story where they came up to you, you took a picture with them? Oh, well, I forget. Yeah, so it was at Wizard World Chicago in I think 2001 or 2002. And Dan Jurgens, he was my favorite artist growing up. He was the, the writer and the artist that did the issue where Superman died. That was like the, the highest selling issue like ever. And he was always like my all time favorite artist. And I had gotten uh, in touch with him like through email somehow. I forget how back then. But, you know, I was going to the show and I knew he was going to be there. And I, I brought a, a football jersey of his favorite player. So when I got in line, like I gave him the jersey and then he spent like a good 25 minutes holding up the line, just talking to me and going over my artwork. And then there was, I guess, like a reporter there kind of taking pictures. And then they started asking me like, oh, you know, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? And I'm, what am I, 19 years old at the time? <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. And then the next day I run into Dan again. And he, he hands me a newspaper. He goes, hey, you might like this. And here is a picture of me and him on, like, the front page of, like, that that city's newspaper for, like, the comic book show. And I was oh, like, that's wow, so cool. That's so cool. Um, yeah, that was, that was a, a really cool moment. So I still have the, the newspaper clipping. And I contacted the newspaper. And they gave me a print of the actual picture, which is cool. So that was really fun. And, uh, yeah, so after school, uh, kept drawing, kept drawing, kept drawing. But comics is like a really, really hard business to get into. It's like you can be really good, but if an editor like for some reason doesn't see it or like someone else who's not great, but he's friends with them, like it's a really cutthroat business. So I was kind of getting really frustrated. So I had to, you know, start racking up student loans. So I had to get a real job. So, you know, I started working at this law firm and still trying to break into comics. And it was it was getting pretty discouraging because here I am like trying so hard and wanting this thing so bad. But it was just so hard to do. And uh, it just so happened that uh, a really good friend of mine, his brother, was a toy designer at Hasbro. And my friend said to me, he said, you know, because we were out, you know, having drinks or something. And uh, I told him, like, how, like, I was getting, like, you know, frustrated with, the, you know, not being able to co get comic book work. He goes, why don't you, you know, would you ever do toy design work? I'm like, dude, I, I'm a huge collector. Like, my room is littered with toys. So... I was like, yeah, I'd love to do toy design work. He goes, yeah, I'll get you in touch with my brother. Let's see what, what we can do. So he ended up getting me in touch with his brother, who actually, you know, graduated with my brother, Anthony. So, you know, they all kind of like knew each other, which was crazy. And I immediately got like freelance toy design work. And it was when the first Transformers movie was coming out. So that was like 2006, 2007. And that was like really cool to like, work being you know doing work on transformer stuff I was like, wow this is amazing. yeah <laughs> so that was like this new love because it was like i was still able to draw and i was able to draw cool stuff but it was like something a little different than comics and then the more i did work uh the guy my friend's brother bill who got me into hasbro he said hey they're doing a vendor fair you know i can get you an invite to come come stay at my house you'll come come do the vendor fair I was like, wow, look, this is so cool. So they basically took, they, they, 
invited all like freelance vendors and things like that, like sculptors and illustrators and, you know, uh, model makers. And they, they have this main, uh, hallway of Hasbro. They call it main street. And they set up everyone there with tables, kind of like a trade show. And you're able to kind of showcase your work and hand out flyers and things like that and try to like meet people and get more work. And the second I walked into like the building, I was like, this is where I want to work because it was just so cool. It was like literally a kid walking into a toy store. So I'm just like, this is amazing. <laughs> and it, it was, it was like a great day. I got to set up and talk about my work and I ended up getting a lot of work from other designers that, that day because, um, you know, they saw my work and they knew I had done work for Bill. So my name was kind of like getting around and like seeing me, you know, in person, I got to end up doing some, some GI Joe work, which was great. And I, I said to, to Bill, like, like that night, I'm like, I want to work here. Like, how can I work here? And he's like, well, you know, you're probably going to want to go back to school because, you know, like he got his toy design degree. They actually have a degree for toy design. And he's like, you know, a lot of designers, they go to this toy program and they get their degree. So you're probably going to want to do that. And I was like, yeah, I don't oh. think cool. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like pay my bills, my student loans. And I'm like, I don't want to like go back to school. That sounded terrible, especially because the illustration school that I went to was basically just a trade school. So I had no like college credits. So if I went back, I would have had to start like four years from scratch. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. So I said, I'm going to try to just do more freelance work and break in by just doing more work and like hopefully getting my name out there. Well, I did work for a year and uh, still didn't get in. And then finally I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I guess I'll have to do it right. So I ended up like enrolling in classes at, at, at <laughs> County College of Morris. And like as a, as a 20, what was I, 26 or 27 at the time, like going back to school, like I'd like figure out like how to enroll in courses and things like that. So it was all like new to me. And I'm sitting here with these like 18, 19 year old kids like, whoa, all right. Um, but yeah, I ended up going back to school, started with my, you know, associates. And that was really fun because I got to go back and play college hockey, which was great. So I got to, you know, do my my associates and and play hockey and kind of enjoy myself. It was great. It was a great two years uh, going back to school. It was really fun. And, you know, the kids on the hockey team would always call me old and stuff like that. So it was it was really fun. It was it was a really <laughs> good experience. And during my time, I think it was my second year. Yeah, I think my second year. I had gotten a call from Bill, and he said, uh, we had an intern drop out. He said, do you want an internship at Hasbro? And I was like, uh, when? He goes, it starts in six days. I'm like, oh. what? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> So I'm like, uh, I have class, man. Like I have classes. He goes, all right, well, you know, you probably shouldn't pass this up. He's like, think it over and, you know, let me, let me know, like, like, you know, tomorrow. So I was like, what, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't pass this up. This is like, this is Hasbro. This is going there and working at Hasbro. So I ended up talking with my, uh, 
I guess you would call him my advisor. He was one of my professors, but he was the head of the industrial design department. And I was really tight with him because it, he saw like how hard of a worker I was. And he knew that I wasn't there just to slack off. I was there to like use that associates to go to FIT to get my toy design degree. So I went to him and I said, uh, you know, there, I've been presented with this internship. I think I'm going to have to drop out. And he goes, you're not going to drop out. You're going to do the internship because you can't pass it up. He's like, I'll cover for you. You could still do your classes like kind of like quasi online. Like he talked to my mm -hmm. other professor. Look, he's going to do this. Any work he'll do, he'll either make up or he'll do it while he's he's away. And, you know, that was it. But I mean, basically, my professor was like, listen, just come back, give a presentation on your experience and we'll call it even. And I'm like, whoa, like, <laughs> it, like all the stars were aligning because I'm like, wow, he's literally going to let me leave and go and do this and act like I was still there. Right. So, like you, you could not give up that opportunity. Right? Not exactly. at all. Exactly. And that's how I felt about it. So I was either going to drop out and then just, you know, take classes again, which would have delayed my FIT admission another year. But I could, like, I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. So I left, packed my stuff up, left. And it turned out like I got to do my internship on the GI Joe brand, which was a dream come true for me because I'm a huge GI Joe fan. So I got there and I'm like, this is absolutely awesome. And it was like <laughs> the best four months ever. Here I am in Rhode Island by myself, staying in a hotel and going and working at Hasbro every day. It was yeah. literally the coolest like experience. But what, uh, all right. So like describe that experience. It's li like literally like take a take a six year old kid and say, hey, do you want to like make GI Joe's? And I bet that six year old kid um, would say, yeah. <laughs> and that's basically <laughs> how I felt. Uh, you know, as soon as they told me, I was like, GI Joe, no way. Uh, so, you know, and I got the, my boss who I worked with, I had done freelance work for him. So we, we kind of knew each other and, you know, I got there and I was like a sponge. I wanted to learn everything. And, you know, the older guys probably found it pretty annoying because I would ask so many questions and bug them all the time. But, you know, you, you have to, you have to, you know, get that knowledge out of those old timers because they have so much experience. And that was I, I knew I wanted to be as good as I could. So I had to get as much knowledge from them as possible. So, I so was, did you, so let me ask you, did you do informational interviews with them? Like, how were you able to get that knowledge and shadow them? It was, it was basically kind of like if I, if I needed something, um, if I needed a file, I would go and I would, you know, bug them. Or I remember the guy who would later become my boss, Years later, I remember I needed a part for a model I was making. I said, oh, hey, Brian, I heard you have, you know, one of these these Star Wars vehicles. I said, you know, any chance I can, you have an extra I can use to chop up to make a model. And then, like, we just started chatting. And then, you know, I was just picking his brain. So it's like, that's mm -hmm. how it kind of kind of started, you know, where I would yeah. walk by someone's office and I'd see someone in their office and I'd say, oh, that's really cool. And then I'd introduce myself like. You know, I was, I was very, for a shy kid, I was very like open and outgoing there. Just Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shy? I don't know about that. Don't mislead my listeners. No, I'm that shy. When it comes down to it, I'm incredibly shy. Like I couldn't talk to girls or anything like that. So uh, yeah, maybe I was an outgoing little kid telling jokes, but uh, as an adult, Bobby was very shy. <laughs> um, no, all right. So you're working at Hasbro. It's like 
but you didn't they tell you you had to go to FIT? Yeah, so that was like when I went for that vendor fair, that's when Bill was like, you know, you should go back and get your toy design degree. So FIT in New York City was one of only two schools in the whole country that gave a degree in toy design. They were like the origi original uh, school, the original school that had the program. And it was like this prestigious program, very hard to get into, that sort of thing. But because of the context I made, the woman who ran the toy design program sort of knew I was coming up the pipeline. So she was like kind of ready and like waiting for me to get there. Uh, so after my internship, I went back to CCM, finished up my associates, you know, it was only like a month or two, uh, finished that up and then got to go, uh, to FIT in the fall, which was great. I was really looking forward to that because, you know, that's the toy design program. It was almost like mm -hmm. going to, you know, the comic book school. I'm like, wait, I can go to this, this toy design school and just make toys all day. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, you know, there were other classes too, and it was a, a crap ton of work and it was, the, you know, one of the hardest things I've ever done, but it was, it was really exciting. And, you know, I'd already had, I had this internship under my belt. So I kind of felt like, you know, if I, I'm going to say that I, I was very cocky at the time because I felt like I was coming in there with all this added experience. I did freelance work. I did an internship. So I was just there basically to get a diploma. Cause I was, I had the skills, I was ready. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I feel like some of the kids there maybe like looked at me like, Oh, this, this guy, you know, but like I got to, to know like all my classmates and I, I had a really good class of people and I still talk to a lot of them today. Uh, but um, the, the program was really, really hard. It, it was, it was incredibly hard. It was like up till 2 a.m. every night doing work. Like, it's a lot of, they tell you it's a lot of work. No, it's a lot of work. Luckily, like, I'm kind of fast and I was, I was more skilled. So, you know, but still, like, I, I said to myself, I'm like, oh, I'm never staying up late. I'm going to finish all my work. But no, 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 you, you're, you have so much work that you're staying up so late. And I was commuting from New Jersey to New York City every day. So I would sit on a bus for an hour and a half and go into the city, rush over to FIT. Do, you know, be there for my classes, rush over to Port Authority, get on the bus, come back, eat dinner, do work all night. And then it was like rinse and repeat. Okay. And so you were determined, though. I was. I was. I was like, you know what? Nothing's screwing this up. I was like, I, you know, I, I quit my full time job. You know, I, I said this. I have to do this. This was, you know, it was probably the most determined I'd, I'd ever been, um, which which is, is pretty cool. But um it, it was it was hard. It was the hardest thing I I ever done. It was it was a long two years, you know. When I think about that, it, but then wasn't there at some point? Weren't you at Fisher Price too that, at one that point? Came, that, that came later. Um, there's still another another Hasbro internship I got to get. All to. right, all right, all right. Um, so part of the toy design program is uh, you have to do a summer internship in between your 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 first and second year. So everyone's required to do it. So you basically work your whole first two semesters, getting your portfolio ready. All the big companies come to FIT, you interview, and then you you get placed for the summer. Well, uh, back up to my first internship, I got my first ever tattoo while I was there. I got my elbow <laughs> tattooed to look like action figure articulation. And the guys at Hasbro loved it. They thought it was so cool. 
So when uh, this guy, Brian, who was like the VP of all of boys design, he came to interview me and he, he had another woman there that he was training to do interviews. I was all excited to show my portfolio. I'd, I'd done months of work and I started talking about my, my portfolio and he goes, ah, we don't need to see that. Show her your tattoo. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we, basically, we went through the interview. He didn't look at a single piece of my work. All, all that work I did for months didn't look at one thing. All he cared about was showing off my tattoo. So basically like, you know, a 20 minute interview and I'm just like, uh, what just happened? I'm like, this is terrible. So then, uh, you know, I interviewed with a couple other places and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I the, the woman, Judy, who runs the program, she's like this, this little old lady, but she's like a very scary, like very strong, scary little old lady. So I went up to her, you know, she's like, how'd it go? I'm like, I don't know, Judy, he didn't look at any of my work. And she goes, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And I like, didn't know what to think about that. I'm like, what? Cause here I am thinking like, well, did I screw that up? Like what's going on? But it, right. in the back, it, the, the, the back room, everyone's laughing at me. Like, ah, you don't, what you don't know. We, we already know you're coming here kind of thing. Like Brian and Judy were laughing at me. So I ended up getting selected to go back to Hasbro for another internship for that summer, which was amazing. When I found out, I was like, Oh, it was like such a, a relief. Um, but this time I was on the Marvel team, which was awesome. So I got <laughs> sure. To, yeah. It was right when they were working on, they were filming Iron Man three. So I got to work on concepts for, for Iron Man three, which was really cool. It, it was great. I, I got to, to work with some really, really great people. Again, I was a sponge, uh, you know, soaking up knowledge and just finding out more, but it was like, it just added like another layer to me because I had done the first internship. Then I, you know, a year at FIT, then another internship. It was like, I was like groomed and ready to be a toy designer. Now, wait, so for Iron Man three, were those the concepts that were actually put into the movie or was that a different um, line? No, these, these concepts were for, for toys, like Iron okay. Man toys. Yeah. They, we, we would get reference from the movie studio and based off that, we would, you know, come up with concepts for toys. Gotcha. So that's what I, as an intern, you're kind of just coming up. You're not really working on like mainline toys. You're just coming up with cool concepts and maybe some of your stuff will get made. But I felt like a okay. lot of my stuff was, was going into production because I was, you know, they saw that I was talented and fast. So a lot, like a lot of the designers trusted me with projects that were actually in development, which was cool. So finished up my internship, go back to FIT, finish my last year at FIT, graduate, and I'm like going to Hasbro. Like, and then as like the the last couple months of uh, before you graduate, you know the companies are coming back in and they're interviewing with you. So I, I interview with basically every company that came in. Like Judy would select certain people. I got to interview with like everyone because I was a really good interviewer and I had a really good portfolio. So she always wanted to kind of like show me off in a way. Judy was weird like that. She had like her prizes that she always wanted to show off. And she would, you know, I'd interview these smaller companies and I'd like really like, like what they were doing. I'd be like, oh, that went really well. And she goes, ah, you're not going there. And I'm like, well, why not? She goes, <laughs> you're too good for them. And I'm like, yeah, but Judy, a job's a job. She goes, no, 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 no. And I'm like, well, why did I interview? And she goes, I just had to show them, you know, I had to show you off. So I was like, it, it like made me feel good, but it was like, I was nervous at the same time, like, man, like, well, well, I'm passing up all these people. Like, well, what's, what's next? 
Right. So Hasbro actually didn't have a job when I graduated, which was very defeating because Hasbro was the reason I went back to school. Like it wasn't <laughs> oh, go to God. tell or anything like that. Like it was for Hasbro. Like I only wanted to work for them. So it, you know, I graduated. I'm just like, what am I going to do? You know, it's going to be like when I, you know, was trying to break in the comics and it's like, I don't want to deal with that grind again. Well, luckily duty called. She goes, uh, I, I just got you hired. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> she goes, oh yeah. You have a job. You're starting on Monday. This was like, on like a Wednesday. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm starting on Monday. She goes, I got you a job at Fisher price. And I'm like, uh, okay. Well, I didn't interview. I didn't, she goes, she goes, well, the guy who, uh, ran the design, uh, was the VP of design. There was one of my instructors at FIT. So I, I, I knew him and I was really, you know, pretty tight with him. So he just kind of hired me without, you know, me even interviewing, which I think was funny. So they're like, yeah, you're going to start. Um, and then, you know, when Hasbro comes calling, you can go, go do Hasbro. So I'm like, all right. I wasn't really thrilled because, you know, I didn't, isn't that but baby, isn't Fisher price babies toys. It's, it's younger kids. Um, okay. when I went there, I was working on Thomas and friends. So, uh, it was very, it was very challenging because the, the product I felt was boring. You know, I wanted to work on action figures and vehicles and stuff. And here I am working on, you know, trains, <laughs> and train tracks. So, and, and they didn't have a lot of work for me. So a lot of days I was really bored. And, um, you know, again, I was, I had to commute into the city again because Fisher Price is in New York city. So it was, it was draining because I just felt like I'm like, Oh, I had enough of this commuting and I didn't like New York city. So I was just like, geez, like, you know, how long is this going to last? But the funny thing was, she told me about Fisher Price and uh, Brian, the VP from Hasbro, called me, I think, like a day or two later. And he's like, hey, kid, guess what? We got a job for you. And I'm like, what? He's like, got a job for you. Won't start for a little while, though. Just letting you know. And I'm like, Brian, I, I have this job at Fisher Price. I'm starting on Monday. Is there any way you can, like, you know, get it ironed out so that I don't have to start? And he goes, no, nah, it's going to be, you know, at first it was a couple weeks, then it was a month, then it was two months. Turned out to be like two and a half months. It was like the longest two and a half months of my life. Just going in and dealing with this job, waiting for them to call me and say, all right, the job's ready. Because when Hasbro hires people, they're notoriously slow. Like it's un unreal how slow they are at hiring people. But it was almost like a means to an end. Like, okay, let me just get through this. Just wait for that call. Paul came. I went into uh, my boss, who was the the VP of the whole uh, design uh, program, who was also my instructor at FIT. But he was one of the hardest instructors there. He was like this really hard edge guy, and but he was like this super powerful, you know, rich, successful VP at this company. So I was terrified to go in there and give him my two weeks notice. <laughs> so I set up a meeting. I go in there and said. Hey, Mark, um, I got I got something I got to tell you. And he goes, Hasbro called you? And I was like, uh, yeah. He goes, oh, that's great. Good for you. I said, yeah, so I'll have to give my notice. And he goes, yeah, you're going to a competitor, so you have to leave today. Like, they don't let you Wow. Stay. Because when it's you were going to, to a competitor, you can't let go with any secrets and stuff like that. So I was like, uh, okay. He goes, don't worry. We're going to pay you for two weeks. So I was like, this is getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go and like I spent those two weeks looking at apartments in Rhode Island and just kind of hanging out and like getting ready for this awesome, awesome job at Hasbro. 
And that's what I did. Got my apartment lined up, moved all my stuff. You know, my dad, and my stepmom, they moved me up to Rhode Island, which was awesome. Got my place and I got to start literally my dream job. So I guess that's, uh, that's the end of, of act one. <laughs> <laughs> so now at Hasbro, you actually won one of the toy industry's coveted awards, right? For one of yeah, your designs? Of my, my items did. Uh, they don't, they don't acknowledge individuals, uh, in the toy industry. So okay. it wasn't like I won it, but my item won it. Okay. My and item. what item was it? My item was a dancing group. It was for the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And it was something I had pitched. Uh, now, when I got hired at Hasbro, I was on the Marvel team again. So that's when I was there full time. That's the team I worked with. And a uh, couple times a year, we would go out to California and meet with the Marvel team and talk to them. We would brainstorm and kind of come up with concepts and that sort of thing. And I remember during one of the brainstorming sessions, I'd come up with this. Uh, it was at first it was uh, Rocket with a baby with Groot because we had heard from the, the the filmmakers that Groot was going to be a baby, and you know we hang on Rocket's shoulder, and I I created this this Rocket, and Groot was on his shoulder, and Groot and Rocket would talk to each other, and I called it Rude Rocket because Groot would just say I'm Groot, but Rocket would know what he was saying and respond back with like these rude phrases. Then it evolved, like as we're talking about more and more, and it, it became like a dancing group. And I was like, oh, what if Groot was on a cassette player, you know, uh, Star Wars cassette player, and he was dancing? And that was the concept. I remember drawing it on the whiteboard, like it was, it was cool. Well, we got it into the line, and I was running the Guardians of the Galaxy two product line. So we did the dancing group, and it was it was a hit because he was so cool. He was this little animatronic Groot, and he played a song from the movie, and he danced. And the movie came out, and I remember in the trailer, it, it had the song playing that was in Groot, and it showed the scene with little baby Groot, and it was like, right then we knew that the, the item was going to be a hit. So awesome. then we got word that it was going to be in uh, in contention for Toy of the Year. Now, that was like big news, because that's like Toy of the Year. Like, that's, you know, they don't they don't really give those things out all the time. It's like winning an Oscar. Right. So... But Hasbro was notorious for like not winning these awards. So the the uh, the the toy industry awards every year they like to award it to like smaller companies and you know sort of more niche product and that sort of thing. So like Hasbro and Mattel they get shunned a lot because they're a big company. Well, we ended up winning. We we won for best action figure was Dancing Groot, and like that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. So. Yeah. Uh, I, we got we got you know the award and uh you know it would have been cool to like go to the show but you know the, the the vps go to the show which is fine wait what you weren't there no no they, they don't they don't send any of the designers or anything like that they don't the the workers are you kidding me they don't they don't acknowledge the workers they send the, uh. the guys with you know vp in their title to to the shows you know guys that really don't do any work so, well do you do you at least get an award like, you know, a oh, physical award? So Hasbro got the physical. They got, they got one. Uh, However, okay. they don't have it anymore. I have it. When I, <laughs> when I, when I left Hasbro, that was one of my, my parting gifts. I took that with me. Because I felt like that was my award. Like, I had worked on uh, that item. 
I put Should so I much- publish this? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've said it all the time and I, I, I've shown pictures of it. It's like, listen, they can come and knock on the door. They're not getting it back. Um, and I think after what they did, I don't think they would ask for it back. So, well, I, I don't want to get into the negativity of what happened, but we can just sure. say that your time at Hasbro ended abruptly. How about that? <laughs> Yes, it, it did. It did end yeah. abruptly, but that's okay. Um, but I have my work, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I, I, spent, I spent an amazing six and a half years at Hasbro, and I got to work on some awesome, awesome products. I got to do some really great stuff. I got to go to Marvel Studios and be on the set of Infinity War and talk with the directors of Infinity War. That was really cool. So I got to do some good stuff. After uh, my time at Hasbro ended and, you know, I I was in this situation where I had to figure out like, okay, well, what's next? You know, obviously I wanted to stay in the toy industry because I had grown to love this industry and I sat and made so many sacrifices and worked so hard. And I just love the industry so much. So I said, well, I'm I'm not going to give up on, on designing toys. You know, I thought like, okay, well, I'll maybe go try, go to like Mattel or another company. But I also thought, well, a lot of people that have left companies start, you know, started their own business and came up their own toy line and have been really successful doing it. And I, you know, thought about it and people suggested to me like, oh, you should should do your own toy line. And, you know, I was like, yeah, that that sounds kind of cool. But at the same time, I was like, you know, that's that's kind of nerve wracking. It's like starting your own company and being responsible for a toy line. Like I just, you know, would design the stuff. I, you know, I didn't run the company. So it was, it was a lot of like, so kind of, I guess sort of soul searching, just trying to figure out like what I wanted to do. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I can do this. I think I could do this. So I started thinking about like, okay, well, what would I do? And during my time there, I worked on a GI Joe line that had gotten canceled. And I felt like at that time, you know, two years ago, there was this uh, void in the, the collector market. You know, six inch, the six inch figures are like what the standard, like high end collector figure is. It's very popular. I worked on Marvel Legends, which was six inch. Like that's like the scale now. So there was no military based figures being done. You had, uh, you had Marvel Legends, you had Star Wars Black Series, um, you had other companies doing other six inch figures. WWE was doing six inch figures, but there was no like military, like army guys, like G.I. Joe. So I said, well, I'm obviously going to go and fill that void because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there because I feel like there was a need for that. So mm-hmm. I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, you know, how do I want to do it? I want to do something unique, something cool, have cool characters, a cool story. So I basically treated it like creating an, a, an intellectual property. And I came up with the story, came up with the characters. And I was like, wow, this could be something cool. And then when it came time, like, right, well, what am I going to call it? Uh, I don't remember exactly how it how it was brought up, but me and a buddy of mine who left Hasbro together, he I think he might have mentioned once, like, oh, you know, you should you should look at some abandoned trademarks because Hasbro will only renew certain trademarks each year, like ones that they think are valuable and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a line called Action Force, and that was a line in the UK, and it was created by this company called Palatoy. Palatoy created these military little action figures that were like three and three and three quarter inches. And they called it action force. 
And it was this big popular line over there. It was like basically the European oh, GI Joe. Oh, I didn't know that was yeah. uh, the UK version. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but then Hasbro purchased Palatoy and kept putting out Action Force figures. But then they started packaging GI Joes in Action Force packaging because over in Europe, they didn't want something so American. G.I. Joe is very red, white, and blue, real American hero kind of thing. So that's why they kept calling it Action Force. And then eventually, G.I. Joe caught on and got bigger, and Hasbro phased out Action Force and just called everything G.I. Joe, even overseas. Oh. Well, they had the name Action Force, and they never did anything with it after that. After They, they kind of let it die, and then in 2005, it officially became abandoned. It got to the point where... They were doing nothing with it. They didn't renew anything. So the you know the government trademark website deems it abandoned. So it was available, but it would have been sitting there since 2005. I'm like, this is you know 13 years. This this trademark's been sitting there. So I looked at it like, well, Action Force was so rich in fan history, and nothing was being done with it. I thought, well, it would be cool to revive the name, even if I can't do the Action Force characters. I could almost reboot it in a way. So that's what I did. So I, I purchased the trademark for Action Force. And at the same time, I purchased the trademark for my all-time favorite G.I. Joe, Steel Brigade. So I was able yeah, to yeah. not only have this cool Action Force line, but I was able to incorporate my all-time favorite G.I. Joe name. I had to design a whole new character because trademark only is, is for name only. It's not for design. So I came up with my own new designs for characters. But it had this this sort of loose tie to the the, the GI Joe fandom, uh, which was awesome because you know the the GI Joe fans really got behind it and they were they they've been really excited for it. All right, so let's just rewind a little bit. Sure. So, with the trademark for Action Force, did you have to like go to Hasbro and nope. purchase that trademark? No. Nope. So just uh, right, regular band, trademark. Yeah, when it goes abandoned, you pay the government. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Perfect. like when you when you don't pay a mortgage, the bank gets the yeah. house. So yeah, um, yeah. So I had to hire a trademark attorney and fill out all this paperwork yep. and basically purchase the trademark uh, through the government. So now you know I'm the I'm the owner of Action Force and Steel Brigade, but but I also trademarked my company name Valiverse. So I had to do like all like this adult stuff, like starting a company. I had to like find out all the <laughs> stuff you had to do. Cause I'm like, wait, what do I have to do? I have to like, file for like a tax number and that sort of thing. It's <laughs> so all this, this crazy stuff that they don't, no one like teaches. You just kind of have to like figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, so, so I purchased the trademark, but also when you acquire a trademark, it uh, each, I think it's like monthly, they come out with this publication that uh, big corporations subscribe to. And it tells all the all the big corporations what trademarks have been filed for. This way, if they see something, they could challenge it or anything like that. So Hasbro knew what I was doing. They knew that that uh, you know I was filing for this trademark, but I guess they they didn't they didn't really think it was worth anything or anything like that. So it wasn't challenged, which was great because you know they couldn't really challenge it anyway because they hadn't done anything with it. So it all went smoothly uh, acquiring the trademarks. And then it got to the, the point where I'd start like designing everything, designing it all and figuring out the characters and what they looked like and what their accessories were. But then also like working with a factory in China, like trying to figure out like, okay, well, what are they going to cost? How many molds is it going to be? That sort of thing. So it was, okay. it, it was a lot right off the bat. 
So you had to come up with your own characters then. Mm-hmm. You couldn't use any of the old characters? Yeah, yeah, because the way trademarks work is a trademark will only uh, protect a name. So like the name Action Force, but any of the characters, uh, a, a design of something is cr- is protected by copyright. Now, copyrights last forever. You don't have to like renew them or anything like that. If I draw something on a napkin, like that is protected by copyright. Like that's my design. So yeah. that's I had to come up with all new characters, even the Steel Brigade character. Even though I had the name Steel Brigade, I came up with an all new design that was different from what the GI Joe was in the eighties. Yeah, and now so with the Action Force brand, now you have a comic book coming out. And who did you just partner with? Too was it two WWE stars or? Yeah, but the, the bigger news came before that. Uh, while while I was doing action, so Action Force was a Kickstarter. The Kickstarter got funded. Great fan support. The product was going into production, and I remember talking with a friend of mine, and you know I saw like oh you know Action Force is missing something. It needs like a big hook, something big. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to like get someone big like Sergeant Slaughter? Now Sergeant Slaughter, for those of you who don't know was a WWF wrestler, but also he was one of the most popular GI Joes ever. He was a, you know, this real life guy who became a character in GI Joe. They made figures of him, his voice. He used his voice in the animation. Like Sergeant Slaughter was like the most, one of the most popular GI Joes. And, you know, my buddy's like, you know, try to try to get in touch with him. So uh, another friend of mine got me in touch with his agent. And I talked to his agent, made the pitch to him. Sarge absolutely fell in love with the idea. And then I included uh, or I introduced Sergeant Slaughter as a figure in Action Force. So not only did I have the name Action Force, Steel Brigade, but now this, this huge G.I. Joe character, Sergeant Slaughter, is now in my line. And that, when that Amazing. news out, that news, like, broke the internet that day for, like, uh, collectors. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was going to be big news, but I didn't expect, like, what it was. And, like, my emails, my messages on Facebook, Instagram, like, every it blew up. And it got to the point where I was like, wow, like, this is way bigger than I thought. And my orders for the figures, like, went through the roof. So then it's like all these people are like all these eyes are on Action Force now. And it it went from this small, basically independent toy line to this mainstream toy line, which was so cool for it to happen just because of the inclusion of Sergeant Slaughter. So working with him has been a dream come true. Very surreal, but so awesome at the same time. Wow. So now. Oh, go ahead. Finish. No, what were you going to say? So. How, like, at the very beginning, right, you said, like, you had to learn everything on your own um, and just, I guess, really questioning, like, what are you doing? Like, is this just going to be my side hustle? So how are you able to stay motivated and keep going to now where, like, this is your baby and your baby is growing and it's awesome. So how were you able to stay motivated during that uncertainty? Honestly, a lot of it is ego as awful as that sounds, because when I first did, uh, when I, f- I first tried launching a Kickstarter, it failed. It failed the first time. And that was devastating 
because here I thought I had this great idea. I had hyped it up and I, I just went about it the wrong way and it failed. And I was, I was like really like devastated about that. Cause I was like, man, I put all this work into something and it, it failed. And I just looked at that. I'm like, well, I'm not going to fail. So it just, I was just like, no, this is going to work. Like I can make this work. I'm going to tweak some things. I know what to change. I'm going to make this work. Came back a couple months later with a new Kickstarter, did some things differently, got some influencers involved, just marketed it better. And it was super successful. So it was just raw, like determination, like, like, no, like I knew I had something good here and I, I want this to be a real line. So a lot of that had to do with it. Um, yeah. So I always tell people like we were growing up like ego's bad. Don't let your ego come through. But in reality, in order to be successful, you need to have an ego because like you said, that's what drove you to keep going. But having that ego drives you to keep moving forward because you're not going to fail. And I love that. I don't think that's anything you should be ashamed of. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. I mean, I've told people before, I said, look at some of the most successful people out there. Look at Steve Jobs, Mark Cuban. Uh, you know, I look at sports guys like Dana White, like all these super successful, like people with these businesses that they built from the ground up. It's like, what do they have? They have ego and determination. So it's yep. like, kind of, yep. you just got to make sure they balance each other out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it definitely there's the determination factor but the determination to me is like the car the ego is the fuel so you yep, need the fuel it. to run the car so that's to me that's that's what it, it is yeah um, so now so now where does the comic book come into play comic book is is basically just to tell the history of it it's basically like okay well i don't have a netflix show or anything like that so i need something to a vessel to drive the lore so that's what the comic book is going to be doing yeah i was just going to ask you so when's the movie or series coming out <laughs> that listen, the people say to me like well what's your goal and i said a netflix show netflix yeah. amazon prime something like that like i don't need a movie i look at like some things and i see like all these cool series coming and i'm like i want a nice dark gritty like military adventurous show uh, yeah. you know, I, and I think to me that would that would be like the ultimate like win is if I can get you know this made into a show, which is crazy because uh, a Hollywood screenwriter who has done some pretty famous movies reached out to me on Instagram and was like, "I love what you're doing with Action Force. If you ever need any help, let me know." And I was like, "Wow!" wow. So I told him, "I said, listen, I'm working on the comics. I want to be able to pitch something, but I want to make sure I have this." this media, this history so that people can see that it's just not figures that there's a story there. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to be working on pitching this thing as, as, as something big. Oh, that's amazing. So when does the comic book expect to come out? So the comic book, the first issue of the comic, I have a, a, a show coming up, a convention in Augusta, Georgia. It's called Joe Fest. That is September 5th and 6th. That is where I will be selling the first issue of the comic book. But then I'll also have the comic book uh, for sale on the Valiverse website. So I'm okay. revamping right now, and then the new shop section will have new shirts, some pins, some other cool swag, and then the comics will be there. So the cool thing is I'll have the first two issues available then. So people will be able to read the story and get the backstory and 
I have more comics uh, currently being worked on, so I'll have a bunch of issues coming up. The issue that focuses on Sergeant Slaughter is the art is coming out amazing. So that's really exciting. So people are like really, really into the fact that it's not just figures, it's comics. And they, yeah. they appreciate that I'm, I'm expanding this line to so many other things. Now, with your followers, because Action Force was so UK-based, as you said, do you find that you're getting a lot of followers now from the UK who used Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I had to... I, I, my, the product that I have open for pre-order right now, it ships worldwide, but I understand that like for people overseas, that shipping could be expensive. So I have a lot of people from the UK saying, Hey, are you working with any, uh, online retailers that specialize that, that are from the UK so that we can purchase this stuff? So right now I'm working with a couple other retailers, but I'm trying to get uh, in touch with this huge, huge retailer in the UK to see if they'll carry the product because it has such a big European fan following. So if you were to give advice to anyone about actually starting their own toy line or toy company, what would be three essential steps that you would share with them to help them with that transitional period of going from working on a corporate world to now starting their own company? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I get this a lot. I, I get, cause I'm always on, I do a, a weekly podcast that I'm on. I'm on a bunch of different other podcasts and people always ask like, Oh, what, what can you tell me? What advice can you give about? I want to start my own toy company. It's, it's very hard. It, there's, you know, I don't know if there's three things, but you need definitely need money. That's probably number one. Uh, don't get into anything unless you're you're financially able to. You know, it's kind of one of those things where I know a lot of people in you know in the past have have, have risked great things, mortgaged houses, that sort of thing, and it's paid off like later. But you know, you, you want to be you definitely want to be smart about it. So you want to make sure that your finances are are in a good spot. You definitely have to have uh, the pair of determination and ego. And then three, you you would you have to make sure you're a sponge for knowledge. When I did it, you know, I didn't know anything about starting a company. So first thing I did was I went to Google. How do you start a company? <laughs> and it's like, how do you start a company in Rhode Island? And then it came up with the Rhode Island Small Business Association. Okay. Let me see what the, oh, they have free seminars. Let me go and meet with someone. I went and I, I met with someone. Ask a lot, a lot of questions because you don't, you, no one's really going to hold your hand. Like the information's there. You just have to grab it. Like you can't expect it to just fall in your lap. You have to be determined to be determined to get the information, but you have to ask a lot of questions. You have to, to get it out of people. It's just like anything else. You got it. It's hard work. You know, to, yeah. but like I said, just be that sponge, you know, fi figure all that stuff out. Like I talked with a lot of other people who had done Kickstarters, other people who had started toy companies because I wanted to know like their journey, like what they did, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. Because other people have paved the way. It's almost like a cheat sheet. Like the inf it's like when I was at Hasbro, the information is there. You just got to seek it out and you can't be afraid of asking questions or you know, a lot of times, like I had to get over, like feeling like, like, oh, well, if I, is this, is this a dumb question to ask? Like, no, like 
no no question is a dumb question to ask it's like you're seeking out knowledge there's nothing wrong with seeking out knowledge just yeah. ask 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 you know get as much information as you can because the more information you have it's like the more successful you're going to be yeah 100 percent. so where can my followers find you on social media everyone can follow me at the valiverse uh, v-a-l-a-v-e-r-s-e on facebook instagram youtube all my posts are there valiverse.com the website is up uh the pre-order for all the action force series one product i have uh links on all my social media pages and all my posts for the the pre-order pages so you can go and see the product uh, i'm always you know putting up uh, new reveals and that sort of thing uh, you're definitely going to want to uh, follow soon because I'm going to be revealing a lot of stuff leading up to the convention. And then at the convention, there's going to be a boatload of reveals at the panel that I have slated. So lots of big news coming up for, for Valiverse and Action Force. Cool. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us on Embrace the Pivot. No, thank you. It, it, the, the pleasure is all mine. And, and I was very happy to come on and I appreciate you having me on. You can follow me, Dr. C, on Instagram at Embrace the Pivot. I hope all of you embrace your pivot.